Hi, and welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast, where we discuss the new view of safety, what works, what doesn't work, to help you break down old view paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike McCarroll. If you're not advancing, you're backing up. And if you're not moving forward, you're actually moving backwards. While many organizations are forward-thinking enough to stay current with modern safety management principles and practices, it's amazing to me how many are not, or how many safety people seem to be stuck in the past in old-view thinking. Now, all this is predicated in comparison to human performance and the new view of safety today. But I'll tell you, over the years, I've noticed that sometimes people get into these ruts, and they think that things work when sometimes they're actually not working very well. And then all of a sudden, they're kind of surprised because the old way they've been practicing things are not working for them. So this podcast is titled Stuck in the 90s. I originally was going to call this Stuck in the 80s, but Pam reminded me that many of the people that listened to our podcast weren't even born in the 80s. You know, I have this problem of saying something happened three or four or five years ago, and then she will remind me, uh, no, that was more like 20 years ago. And so anyway, we do have people that are kind of stuck in old view ways, and uh, in fact, sometimes people are even stuck in the 70s. So uh, the reason I wanted to do this is I was watching Jeff Foxworthy the other night on YouTube, and I love Jeff Foxworthy. He's a great comedian. And everybody's familiar with his You Might Be a Redneck uh, skits. And and so he's always giving these ways that a person can tell if they're a redneck and they're hilarious. Now, I can say that because I am a redneck. I mean, that is just an established fact, right? I am a redneck, so I can say that. Now, that being said, let's get into this. So the number one way is this. If you have a safety program you might be stuck in the 90s. Safety programs are problematic. You can't have a program. Safety can't be a program. And some of you have heard me say this before. Just the word program connotates an ending and a beginning, and it connotates something that is separate from what we already do in a good, highly effective safety culture. So safety has to be a continuous improvement process, not a program. The next one. If the only people inspecting your site are safety people, you might be stuck in the 90s, maybe the 80s, maybe even the 70s. That is not the job of a safety professional. That is the job of your supervisors and your managers to be inspecting their work sites. Certainly, you want to be auditing what they're doing to determine how effectively they're doing that. But if you're the only one inspecting or your safety people the only ones doing inspections, that is way behind the times, folks. If your only measure of safety effectiveness is the OSHA recordable rate, this is problematic for many, many, many reasons. But the biggest reason that it is a rear-looking, lagging indicator, it really doesn't tell us much of anything about the presence of safety, the integrity or the quality of the things that are being done around safety, uh, or the degree of leadership around it. It just simply tells us what happened in the past. We've got to get way beyond that. If you believe you can inspect your way to safety excellence, not possible. 
you know, inspections, while they're good and they are the law and we do have to do them, inspections by nature are reactive. Because if you think about when we do an inspection, what are we doing? We're walking around looking for something that's already gone wrong. And that's the problem. It's already gone wrong. I've seen situations in the past where a safety person visits a facility maybe once a month and they're trying to find things going wrong at that point in time. What are all the other things that have gone wrong over the past month when they're not there? If you believe that human error is a violation, you're probably stuck in the 2000s, maybe back in the 90s, but those who study human performance know that human error is not a violation. It cannot be a violation. Human error simply occurs, even when people are trying to do their best. People have mental lapses. People have mental slips. People forget things, and it's part of the human condition. The way that you deal with human error has to be completely different than the way that you deal with a willful, egregious, reckless behavior. If you're still using incentive programs, you are definitely stuck in the 90s. Incentive programs are problematic. Now, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about the traditional incentive program that incentivizes someone to achieve some outcome goal, like usually a recordable rate. And if that's attached to awards or to uh, bonuses or what have you, it always causes underreporting of problems. And we've talked about that extensively on other pro podcasts. If more than 10% of your incident investigations place blame on the worker, you are stuck in the 90s, folks. The new view of human performance, and especially of event learning, teaches us that in most cases, the worker is not culpable. In most cases, it comes from the system itself. It is either system-induced behavior or system-induced error, or sometimes it's just simple human error. And those things have to be dealt with completely differently than you deal with some willful, wanton, egregious behavior, which really is very low in the overall scheme of things. If you believe retraining is the solution for all of your safety problems, you're stuck in the 90s. The old blame, shame, and retrain approach to safety is firmly rooted in the old crime and punishment view, and it views that people don't remember what they were trained to do, and so we've got to retrain them. You know, the problem with that is oftentimes retraining becomes viewed as punishment itself, and so it causes a lot of problems of its own. If the term you can't fix stupid is part of your professional lexicon, you're probably stuck in the 70s, to be quite honest with you. This, this is the old uh, bad apple model. This is where organizations view that they have these perfect organizations and these perfect safety systems, and the problem is the worker. And so we got to retrain them to bring them back up to speed. If you think the solution to your safety issues is more rules and more procedures, you're stuck in the 90s. Most of the time, it's not the fact that we don't have enough rules or enough procedures. It's problems with those rules and procedures, uh, such as maybe the procedure doesn't match the work, or maybe the rule is too onerous and it causes people to not be able to do the work 
or view that it slows them down and it becomes problematic. And so what they do is take more shortcuts. Unfortunately, the fix to that oftentimes is to put more rules and more procedures in place, which just makes the problem worse. If you think having workers care more about safety is the answer to your safety problems in your organization, not so. Workers inherently care about their safety. They inherently care about their families. Getting people to care more is not the problem. Usually there are things within the operating system, uh, such as error precursors, error traps. There may be gaps in the culture or in the leadership. Uh, there may be scheduling issues that drive fatigue. There may be many, many, many system issues that are driving the reason that accidents occur, and it's usually not the fact that the worker doesn't care more. It's amazing to me how many organizations spend so much money trying to get people to care more. And, you know, I actually was uh, attending a seminar a while back where I heard someone in uh, an adjacent room yelling out like an old-time preacher, uh, basically preaching to the audience how everybody needed to care more. Now think about this. This was the funny part of it. These were all safety people. Now, do we really think that safety people don't care about safety? I mean, come on. What are we trying to achieve here, folks? If you think unsafe acts are the causes of accidents, you're stuck in the 80s, maybe 90s, probably the 70s, definitely the 80s. I don't know. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that unsafe acts are symptoms they are not causes. They are symptoms of deeper issues within the organizations that either allow, tolerate, encourage, sometimes incentivize, or overlook uh, at-risk behaviors which allow workers to increase their risk tolerance and lower their risk perception. Unsafe acts are not causes, they are symptoms. If we stop at worker didn't wear safety glasses, or worker didn't follow a procedure, we're doing symptomatic treatment. We're not solving anything for the organization. And the, the bad part of that is that the defenses that get designed around that will also be flawed uh, immensely. If you have supervisors filling out a root cause analysis form, give me a break. You are definitely stuck in the 90s. It is not possible for one person to do a root cause analysis. Simply not possible. And think about it. What if some of the underlying issues actually point to the supervisor themselves? That's almost like asking a supervisor to do a performance evaluation on themselves. Now, anytime that an incident analysis is done, and if it involves root cause analysis or what's even better, doing event learning, which we do in human performance, the, it takes a team. It takes a team of people. One person absolutely cannot do a root cause analysis. You have to have brainstorming uh, as part of that entire process. So having a supervisor fill out a root cause analysis form is not only stuck in the 90s, but it is downright ridiculous. If your managers are responsible but not accountable for safety, you are definitely stuck in the 90s, uh, maybe even the 80s. Uh, way back in the 80s, Dan Peterson, a very forward-thinking safety guru, talked about then that the greatest safety system failure in corporate America today is a lack of accountability. 
Now, when he talks about accountability, accountability means measuring safety performance. And accountable means not just being responsible, but being answerable. A person can be responsible for carrying out duties, but when they're accountable for carrying out those duties, it means they're measured and they're asked about it. And so accountability is the engine that drives safety. Without a good accountability process, nice safety program, but it's not really going anywhere. If pre-work briefings in your organization consist of eating donuts and signing a piece of paper, you are definitely stuck in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. You're way back there. You know, um, pre-work briefings are a perfect opportunity to micro-simulate the work. It's basically discussing the work and the details of the work way before the work is done to get everyone on the same sheet of music. It clarifies lots of confusion and lots of misinterpretation. Unfortunately, I still see today, and I still interface with safety people who complain about the fact that they have supervisors that are basically just having someone sign a sheet of paper and uh, use it some generic sheet of paper that uh, is not very specific to the work at all. If you think you can punish away errors, not going to happen. You're stuck in the 90s. It's uh, based on That's based on a clear misunderstanding of human error and how human error works. If safety is owned by the safety department only, you're stuck in the 90s. Safety cannot be owned by the safety department. It's got to be owned by operations. And so, uh, unfortunately, sometimes in companies I still see that safety is owned and driven only by the safety department, and that honestly goes back to lack of accountability on the part of managers. If your vision for safety excellence is zero incidents, zero accidents, zero this and zero that, you're way behind the times. You're stuck in the 90s, maybe in the 80s. It is, that is an old view paradigm that simply doesn't work today. Uh, I actually did a couple of podcasts on that. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those podcasts, but it's not possible to get to zero. Zero is a standard of perfection, and it does not account for human error. People make mistakes, and as long as human beings are human beings, they will make mistakes. Using language like zero incidents and zero accidents causes us to lose credibility in the eyes of the workers because they know that's not true. If safety training consists only of OSHA regulations, like doing an OSHA 10-hour or an OSHA 30-hour, you are stuck in the 90s. You are maybe stuck in the 80s. That's not getting it, folks. As most of us know, regulatory stuff is important, but it is the bottom of the barrel, minimum compliance, and it certainly does not get an organization to excellence. If safety people have the authority to terminate workers for violations, you're stuck in the 90s. Safety people should never, ever have the authority to terminate anyone. And especially if they're steeped in old view safety practice and they can do a lot of harm to the organization, do a lot of harm to the workers, and a lot of harm to their lives. Those things should be reserved for human resources, and human resource decisions should be based on full analysis 
and preferably event learning so that we truly understand the reasons why people are making decisions that they make out in the field. If workers and supervisors hide when you come to the site, you're stuck way back there, maybe in the 70s. Now, if your managers and your supervisors are truly accountable for safety performance and operations truly owns safety, not the safety department, you are positioned as a resource, as an advisor, and as a consultant, and so they should look forward to seeing you come out to the site. In fact, they want you to come if they're accountable to help them meet their accountabilities. So that's a big clue right there. If they're hiding when you come, you got a problem. If you think leadership is a title, you're stuck in the 90s. You know, safety leadership has been a big deal uh, in the last decade or so, and companies more and more getting on board with the importance of developing leadership. But oftentimes, leaders will say they don't need training because I'm already a leader. They say that because they got a title, not because they are actually exhibiting the traits and the characteristics of a good leader. So leadership is not a title. Leadership is what we do. If senior managers view safety as a cost rather than an investment, you're stuck in the 90s. This is really a failure on our part as safety professionals to educate our managers in the value of safety, and not only just in moral terms, but in financial terms. In the Advanced Safety Management course at Georgia Tech, we've got a section on talking the language of business to, to executives. And whether we like it or not, Money is a finite resource, and executives live in a financial world. They have a fiducial responsibility to their organization and to the stockholders, and they live in a world of finance, and we have to talk the language of finance to be able to get the support that we need. Talking to managers about recordable rates and DART rates and insurance uh, modifiers, that's all fine and dandy. But that doesn't ring a bell. If you really want to get support, what you really need to be doing is talking about return on investment. And uh, in a future podcast, we'll probably be talking about the formula for doing that. If your job is to fix or correct safety hazards, you're stuck way back in time. This is a stuck in the 70s kind of thing. But it's amazing to me how many safety people run around pointing out a safety hazard and then fixing it themselves and then letting somebody know about it rather than holding those folks accountable and responsible for fixing their own issues. It's not your job to fix safety issues for your people. It is your job to point them out and teach them how to inspect effectively and how to deal with those deficiencies. If your behavior-based safety program is about catching and correcting behaviors, especially unsafe behaviors. You're stuck in the 90s, maybe in the 80s. You know, the the problem with behavior-based safety programs, the science behind them really is good, but the problem is, is over the years, companies have contorted that, and they've turned these things into uh, gotcha games. Uh, I actually had a company one time telling me that their behavior-based safety process had deteriorated to the point that they had people jumping out from bushes with a clipboard, writing people up. Give me a break. 
You know, behavior-based safety is really about reinforcing safe behaviors, and it's also about analyzing the underlying reasons why those behaviors are occurring and fixing those system issues. Uh, done right, behavior-based safety really mirrors human performance quite well. It's actually a subset of human performance, but it uh, very much views uh, safety as a systems thinking issue, not correcting behaviors. If you believe culture change is about implementing new programs, you're stuck in the 90s. You know, culture change or change management is a science within itself. And there are a number of distinct reasons why culture change efforts fail. It's not about just implementing new programs and new techniques and new tools. Sometimes there's this view, if we just throw in enough tools and programs, it'll somehow fix the culture. But culture is a lot more political. It's really about dealing with internal politics, dealing with people's egos, uh, dealing with people's feelings. And it's really about persuading and influencing people and implementing some of the strategies for culture change that we'll probably talk about at some point in the future. If your safety manager spends most of his or her time managing workers' comp claims, you're stuck in the 90s, folks. That's not safety's job. You know, I was in a uh, situation a while back where I was doing a culture assessment for a company and was in the safety director's office, and his desk was piled up with workers' comp claims, like three stacks of these things a mile high. And he spent most of his time in the office dealing with these workers' comp claims. And I asked him, how often do you actually get out in the field? And the answer was about three hours a week. Give me a break. You need a workers' comp manager. If your boss sees your job is to keep OSHA off our backs, you're stuck in the way back, 80s, 70s. You're stuck. That is not the job of a safety person to keep OSHA off your back. Your job is to lead them into continuous improvement. If your corporate safety department demands a full root cause report by the end of the shift, they are stuck in the 90s. Not possible. It is absolutely not possible to have a full understanding of any event by the end of the shift. It really takes a team of people and preferably a team doing event learning, not just basic root cause analysis, to truly understand the error precursors, the performance modes, the reasons why people's decisions made sense to them at the time, given the culture they're in, given the leadership, given the features of the tools and equipment, and many, many more things. Uh, but I still see that today where uh, companies are put under pressure by a corporate office to give them a root cause by the end of the shift or by the next day, and you know what you're going to get, right? They're going to get a rushed investigation that is flawed, and 90% of the time it's going to end up in blaming the worker, not looking at the system in which they work. If your safety committee is comprised only of managers, supervisors, and safety personnel, you're stuck in the 90s. A good safety committee really should be primarily comprised of the workers themselves and having some supervisors, managers, or safety people as advisors. But having nobody but managers, supervisors, and safety people on a committee completely misses the boat. 
Uh, some of you remember me talking about a thing called the iceberg of ignorance. It's not possible unless we are doing the work to understand all the intricacies, the complexities, and the complications of actually doing the work. That takes those people themselves. If you see every deviation from a rule or a procedure as a violation, you're stuck in the 90s. There are many reasons why people deviate, and many times they're just simply not violations. It could be because of an error, but most likely it's something that's system-induced. And finally, the last one. If you view workers as a problem to an otherwise good system, you might be stuck in the 90s. That is firmly rooted in the old view bad apple model that views we have these perfect systems, but we have these imperfect workers that don't fit into our perfect system. So the new view views that differently. The new view views that workers are not the problem. Workers are the solution. And our job is to harness the gold nuggets of information in the heads of those workers, the people closest to the risk, and put that to work for us. So that's it today. I hope you enjoyed that. Just a few. I may do some more of these later on, but uh, it just kind of struck me the other day how many companies seem to be stuck in the 80s. You know, I spent about 20 years uh, working uh, at Georgia Tech uh, in the OSHA Training Institute uh, under an agreement. And, um, uh, you know, we interfaced with a lot of safety people over and over and over uh, throughout the years. And it's just really struck me how often that people even 10, 15, 20 years in are just stuck in these old view ways and can't seem to break out of that. That's just basically says what we started out in the beginning saying that if you're not advancing, you're backing up. So that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, subscribe. Let everybody else know about this podcast. And we'll see you down the road, folks. Go out there and save a life. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.